0: In this episode, I am being joined by Tony DiLorenzo. Tony is one of the hosts of the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, the number one marriage podcast On iTunes, Tony and his wife Elisa have been helping couples create extraordinary marriages for 12 years and counting. In this episode, Tony is going to talk about the six pillars of intimacy, which are essential tools to help keep a marriage rock solid, and how Tony and his wife Elisa have managed to overcome the common struggles and dilemmas most couples face so that they could keep their relationship on fire. And Tony is going to give you the steps so that you can do the same. My conversation with Tony DiLorenzo starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. I'm Cam Hall. I am your host, and I am really looking forward to this conversation with Tony DiLorenzo. Tony is co-host at the Top Marriage Podcast on iTunes alongside his wife, Elisa, with their show, The One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Tony's wife, Elisa, speak to a worldwide audience about sex, love, and commitment, and challenge every one of their listeners and members of their one community to make their relationships a priority. Their best-selling book, The Six Pillars of Intimacy, has transformed countless marriages around the world because the framework is simple, practical, and powerful. By reading The Six Pillars of Intimacy and listening to this conversation with Tony today, you'll be inspired to look at your marriage through a new lens and be encouraged by its common-sense approach. I'm excited for this conversation today, so let's get into my conversation Tony DiLorenzo. Tony, welcome to the DMD podcast. Pumped to have you, man. Oh, it's awesome to be here, Cam. Thank you very much. You know, we had an opportunity to speak a few weeks ago. I guess it's almost a month and a bit ago now, really to connect and, and just to get to know each other a little bit. And in that short conversation, I learned a lot about you and your passion. I learned the path that you and Elisa are on together and how that path has been up and down. And you, right now you have, I, I, like I said, in the intro, you have the top marriage podcast on iTunes, the one extraordinary marriage show. And, it always has hasn't always been that way, but you know, doing some digging on you and in your background, <laughs> and I've actually had the opportunity to hear you speak, and I don't know if you knew this. I, I heard you speak at a mastermind event once um, and of a little mastermind I was part of, and you know doing some, I know you have some other things in your background that have helped shape you get to where you are today. Yeah. So why don't we start there? Why don't we start with how you got here? Uh, we'll get okay. into. You know, One Extraordinary Marriage and the amazing book that you guys have out right now. But tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, Tony DeLorenzo. Great to meet all you guys and gals. Um, Been married 26 years or going on 26 years, I should say. I've known my beautiful wife, Elisa, for 28 years. We met in the summer of 1994. Uh, I was 21 when I met her and she was 19. She turned 20 that a couple of weeks after we met her uh fun fun a little fun fact about that summer i just I'll share i don't know if i've shared this in many places but um uh, alisa was supposed to just be a summer fling she was she she was in, at the university of colorado huh. boulder for 8 weeks for an internship yeah. and i was a student there and i was a cook and a hasher at my fraternity house for the summer so i could get free room and board over the summer um, and as a 21-year-old college student, man, that's a that's a good gig. You, know, you got free room and board. And then I was, the, I was the breakfast cook, so I made some money on top of my normal room and board. And I met her, and we were supposed to just have a summer fling. And about two weeks into this, it was her 20th birthday, and a buddy of mine was living, uh, had an apartment. I remember calling him up. I'm like, hey, man, it's Elisa's birthday. Would you be cool if we throw a cake for her? If I throw a cake for her? <laughs> My Kager, I love it. <laughs> so back in the day, um, and it was the first time we kissed. Uh, I remember being in my buddy's apartment. We were in his kitchen, and we locked eyes uh, across his dining room table. Very small, obviously, as a college um, apartment. And we locked eyes, and we kissed for the very first time. Um, probably June 20th, 1994. Wow, amazing. Um, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and just thinking about that. So that's just a little fun fact for you. That is a for fun for Camp.
0: <laughs> now I I don't know if I should a- ask this question to ruin such a sweet story, but first kiss before or after the cake stand at the keger.
1: Oh yeah. I never did cake stands. I just wasn't oh, a cake stand type of guy. So <laughs> I don't even I'm sure it was a thing back then. I don't remember it. Um So it was definitely, there was a pitcher. I do remember a a good pitcher of beer just sitting on the kitchen table.
0: (laughs) And and that was the preparation in case you got rejected, right? That's like, I'm going for the first kiss. It doesn't work out. I'm turning around and I'm grabbing that and I'm walking out.
1: Yeah. But here it is. So Elisa (laughs) and I, we did, we started, we started out our dating years as it was going to be a uh, summer fling. And uh, she knew well before I did that uh, I was the one for her. Um, but we fell manly in love, got married in 96. Um, and in that time period prior to kids, I, I want to share because we waited six years before we had kids. And so we had, a, we had some time. I was 23 when I got married and she was 22. So I didn't have my first, my oldest until I was 29. And in that interim period, we, we worked a number of different places and did a number of different things. And one of my biggest accomplishments in that time period, and still to this day, was I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. I threw hiked the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to Canada. And um, that was three years into my marriage. It almost destroyed our marriage, but it's been one of the most influential parts of my marriage as well. Mm -hmm. And as a a person. So Did you do that solo? I did. I started out by myself um, uh, at Campo, which is at the southern border here, uh, just east of where I live in San Diego. I started by myself and ended up meeting some guys and gals along the way pretty pretty quickly in the beginning. This is back in 2000, so it was really a smaller group. There's only about 300 of us who started, less than 150 of us finished that year. Um, but yeah, through that through that southern section, you tend to meet a lot of people and hang out with a lot of people because there's only so much water, so everybody is sort of like at water stops, and everybody's just sort of hopping each other. But it was, it was truly a, an amazing experience, yeah.
0: Really cool. And so, you know, at that point in time, no kids, you do this yeah. trail. Uh, you said it almost destroyed your marriage. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So
1: it took me 138 days to complete it end to end. Average roughly about 20 miles a day. And, you know, you get out there and Elisa, Elisa and I had been hiking and backpacking. That was our recreational intimacy back in the day. We did a lot of hiking and backpacking and uh, the summer prior, we had actually completed a, it, we actually ended up doing it in three days, a three-day 40-mile trip called the Ray Lakes Loop out of uh, Sequoia Kings Canyon. And I remember being on the Pacific Crest Trail looking at that. We were at um, the high point on Glen Pass. It's like 11,800 feet, somewhere around there. And I remember looking north. I remember looking south. And I was like, Alisa, well, I'm going to hike this trail one day. And uh, when it came around to doing the trail, I I remember going, Hey, do you want to do it with me? Cause it'd be awesome. She's like, absolutely not. Not, like, a chance. not interested in, you know, I, she's like, I'm cool. Three, four days, nowhere near do I want to be out there for 38 days. Um, so when you're out there, you got a lot of time to think, a lot of things to do. Um, you get disconnected from society. Even back in the day when we don't, we didn't have phones like we do today. Um, you, you just get disconnected, right? You get used to not hearing the sounds of cars or not getting used to, you're getting used to just the chirping of birds and, and going to sleep when it gets dark and waking up when it gets light and dealing with snow, wind, um, trail, just whatever you have to deal with. So coming back into society, we lived in orange County and, um, I'm a pretty, an extroverted relational guy. And I got really reclusive and hmm. and fearful and it just caused a lot of tension. I didn't want to go back to work. Um, And it just caused a lot of tension in our marriage. So I do remember one day, I actually at that point in time too, got back into pornography because I was just, I I, I was just alone and Elisa would leave all day um, and and I had nothing else to do um, and I wouldn't even go outside really. But I do remember one lunch, she came back from work and she worked not, not too far away. And I remember her just coming in and she's like, we need to have a talk. I'm like, yeah. What's up? And she goes, and this is back in the day with phone books. She goes, I've yeah. been looking through the yellow pages for a divorce lawyer. Oh wow. And we we are about to celebrate our fourth anniversary, and I was just like, what? Like it was just a punch to the gut. Like, well, what are you talking about? We're we're good. We're well, what's what's wrong? I, I don't understand. Um, and we had a good heart to heart at that point in time. It'd been building for her. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea. And so it just a really good heart to heart and just started working on, OK, I can get back out. What do I need to do? Where where I don't want to go back to doing what I was doing before I left that because I wanted something new. So I was just trying to find something different to walk into and, and found a really cool place. I started working at the North Face Retail uh, yeah, just yeah. to get that first introduction, but still sort of feeding that passion of being out in the outdoors and stuff.
0: Yeah. Really cool. Now you mentioned in there, I think it's an important point that, you know, you found yourself being more reclusive after being away for some time and how that isolation, being reclusive, not wanting to connect with people led you into a path where you got back into something that was poisoning your relationship. Yeah, Right. And you mentioned pornography and, and, you know, guys listening to this and they might be like, well, he just dropped the porn word in there really quick without some so give us a little backstory on that and you in your in the book you know at least it brings this up but i think it's important for you to to share with our guys kind of the process that you went through there
1: yeah yeah i'm gonna share the book real quick so right there six pillars of intimacy number one bestseller she she did an amazing job it's with tony our editor was so nice she's like "Yeah, yeah this is Alisa really wrote this. We were gonna to do Tony uh Elisa and Tony or Tony and Elisa DeLaRento and editor's like, no, this isn't Elisa DeLaRento with Tony DeLorento. I'm like, yeah, totally understand.
0: And it's and it <laughs> says very clearly the what the with means, yeah. you know, when it's Tony's thoughts, which I appreciate. I thought it was good. Yeah.
1: So I got introduced to pornography when I was 12 years old. I was a, a Boy Scout and uh the building that we met at, a bunch of guys knew where there were some magazines in some bushes. And so that's where I got introduced as a mm. as a 12 year old. And so from 12 to, so when I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, I was 27. So that's 15 years. Mm. Um, there are definitely times when I was full on in it. And there are other times when I can remember just going without ever even looking at it or briefly. Uh, and then other times just getting really deep into it. Uh, the beginning of our marriage was one of those points in times where I got back into pornography. Uh, I, I m- imagined marriage being so much different and I started getting back viewing it. Um, but then starting getting even to chat rooms and things of that nature. Okay. And then on the trail, it, it sort of just dissipated. Like there's no, w- what are you doing? Like I, I had no time to even think about it. And even prior to that, in our marriage, we were sort of in a good spot. I really felt like we were in a good place. Um, so there wasn't a lot of viewing of it. And then, like I said, on the trail, what, I mean, you you end your day. You're so dang tired. You can keep your eyes open. I mean, you're just like, I just need to go to bed. Um, and then the, your day, there's just so much having to get through and do. Um, but coming back off that trail, I was. I was, I was, I was just alone. I was scared. Uh, I, I didn't know what to do. And it was a way to just fill up time because Elisa wasn't around either. And I don't think we were, if I can recall, I mean, this is, we're going 20, Two years ago now, um, I don't really remember having an abundant sexual intimacy in in, in our marriage. Like we would have sex, but it's not like it is today. I think I have some of the best sex with my wife than I've ever had in in my entire marriage, especially over the last five, six, seven years, eight years. Um, So it, it was just a lonely time, and it was a way to just fill up that time and and get away from reality. And that's what it was for me. It was a way to get away from reality.
0: Wow. Well, an escape. Mm-hmm. You know? An escapism. Yeah. I've, I've, heard, I've heard that from other guys who've struggled with the same too. You know, I think if, if you're a guy, not, I, I'm a guy sitting here and to say that I hadn't been exposed to it earlier on. And now it's so readily available. I, and in the back of my head right now, you know, we're both dads, you know, mm-hmm. and we're both dads as sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so readily available. I'm 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 just like, man, you know how how important it is for us to address this issue with our sons and be transparent about it and talk about the draw of it and the hurt of it as well. And you no, know, I appreciate yeah. you o- opening up and sharing a little bit about that with us. Yeah, and I know, can, I,
1: can I share yeah. a little bit around that with my boy? And so what ended up happening is we had we had our oldest, um, and I remember. Uh, He was a year old. We were living here in San Diego. And I remember being in our place. And and at that point in time, my office and computer was in my garage. We had a a three-bedroom place. And I just put my computer out there. It was cool. On the other side of the wall was our living area and our living room. And I remember Elisa was in that area and um, like breastfeeding our boy. And I was about to look at some pornography, again, to escape, to, to just check out. I knew she was going to be occupied. So she wasn't going to come jumping in at me. And I remember about to start searching and I heard a voice that said, it's finished. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, I just sat there. and I was like, what? And I just turned it off. And I remember walking into her and I just said, "Alisa, this is what I was about to do. But I go, it's finished. I'm done with this. Um, And she and I had a really, heart to heart uh, I remember there's tears on both sides and and just the hurt and the pain that happened um so it was basically like Elisa if, if I go towards it again if I look at it again I want you to know she left for a week about a week after she left for a week to go see her folks with our boy and um I I went to pornography and I just felt this piece of like you no know, I told her and I had to literally just go my word was I was going to let her know, so I picked up the phone. She was two or three hours ahead at that, because she's on the east coast and um, or Midwest. And uh, I picked up the phone. And I told her, and I just remember hearing her voice, and it just hit me for the first time, probably, in the, in, in 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 such a way where I was just like, no, nope, it's done. I go, and I was just like, no, nope, it's it's done, and I have not looked at pornography in eighteen years, hmm. so it just was one of those moments where I tried, I tried, I tried so many different ways and different things. And I've heard so many guys do it for me. It was just that point in time. It's done. Uh, it's done. And then I remember finding out my boy was w- watching and talk and looking at it. And I just went up to him and, I, and, and one thing I've always continued to tell myself is like, that's somebody's mom. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's wife. And I'm objectifying her. And that is unacceptable. And that's what sometimes will just pop into me. And I would just go, wow. And that's what I had to tell my son when I found out he was looking at some. And I just told him that I'm like, think about this, man. You got a mom, you got a sister. That Would you like that? And uh, we had a really big heart to heart talk um, and had that discussion. So,
0: yeah. wow. So, you know, this is, let's go back to the trip and, you know, yeah. four or five years in your marriage, you waited until you had kids. Um, then you had, Kids later on in marriage. But in the book, you speak about, and I've heard you speak on your podcast about, you know, 11 years in, something changes. And it could be two years in, it could be five years in, it could be 11, 15, whatever it is. But tell us about the transition that happened in your marriage and how that kind of created a pathway to where you're at now.
1: Yeah. So we're 11 years into our marriage and we're looking at each other. We got a five and a two year old at this point in time. And we don't have the greatest marriage at all. I mean, we're, we're doing decent at best. Um, I share that we were, we were looking at three different avenues to take or three different trails to take. One was a get a divorce now because it's okay, but it's not great. We're not really doing anything. Um, and if this is a way it's just going to keep going, then why are we even doing this? B was, Hey, we'll make the best of it until the kids turn 18. And then we'll, we'll, we'll part ways then, but at least we'll have a, a united front or see, we're going to get radical. And we had been watching, um, our, some friends of ours or their girls were playing like beach tennis. And after their segment on TV, we saw these two couples and they had been, they had done each of them, different ones, sex challenges. One, one, the wife gifted her husband 365 days of sex. The other couple, they did 101 days of sex. Wow. So I remember looking at this going, this is intriguing. I like this. Oh Yeah. Most um, guys would see that and be like, yeah, that <laughs> sounds interesting. This is cool. Like, I'm like, wow, my head, I'm sort of the visionary and I, I sort of dream a little bit and, and I'm like, oh wow, this, this is, could be really cool. We are about to lead a small group study at our church around the book, intimacy ignited it talks about all about the song of Solomon. It's going to be an eight week study. So in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, this is sort of cool. We're going to talk about this. And, so I look at Elise and I go, what if we do a 60 day sex challenge? And before I could even finish cam, she's just like, no, it just hops up, walks into to the bathroom, gets ready. And like, cause this is the evening. So she's like taking her time, getting ready um, to go to bed. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, maybe we can at least have sex tonight. You know what I mean? Where something will happen. She comes out with like this green face mask on. Like
0: you you weren't looking for the backup pitcher of beer at that point, were you like that rejection? No, I was just like,
1: you're kidding me. And so I was just like, I don't know. And then the next day she had her, what she would say, her come to Jesus moment. She was doing Mm -hmm. laundry and she heard a word that says, he's not asking you for, you know, much. And, uh, and she just, she just, you know, and, and it was something like, he's not asking for much. And if you can't, if you're not willing to make your marriage a priority, it's over something to that extent. And, um, so I came home from work that day and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, do what? Cause I was already on to something new. I was like, I can't sit in this world. Cause if I sit in this world, I'm going to feel the pain and I don't want to feel that pain right now. I don't, I don't want to be there. And so I was just like, do what? And She's like, let's do this 60 day sex challenge. And I'm like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like, try to reel it back in. Like, Oh crap. Like, what am I doing? Like, what if I can't do this? What if something happens and this and that? And we we laid out our, our ground rules for it, um, which was she's on her period, no sex. If one of us is traveling, no sex. If one of us is sick, no sex. We ended up over those 60 days, we completed 40 out of 60, but we learned so much more. It wasn't about the sex. That's what That was the catalyst. That's what got us going. That's what made us Made us each, each of us, and our marriage a priority again, but it wasn't the only thing, and that's what finally reignited us to go. Wow, there's so much more, and as they say, the rest is history. But it's been a journey since then. Speaking to marriages through the One Extraordinary Marriage Show, through all, all of our books, Elisa coaching, um, events that we do, but that was the catalyst, and, and we haven't stopped because we really believe in. We can impact one couple, if we can change one couple's lives, and it's been worth it. That's
0: amazing. You know, a lot of guys get really uncomfortable when it comes to talking about sex in their relationship. Um, and they hear the word intimacy and it scares them off. But often they're tying the two together, thinking that they're the same thing. Right. Right. That sex is intimacy, that intimacy is sex. And you have the book, The Six Pillars of Intimacy. You know, sexual intimacy is part of it, and you've mentioned that. But what is intimacy beyond sex? Yeah, great question. So intimacy,
1: we, we've done that in our society, right? Just as what you said, intimacy is sex, sex is intimacy, and we've confused that. And it's not that. Intimacy is closeness and connection. That's what it is. That's, that is what the word is. It's closeness and connection. And so as Elisa and I began to, our journey and... Look at where we're at, where we're growing and, and have grown the one family to tens, if not hundreds of thousands of po- folks around the world. We begin to study marriages and, and read and, and learn and listen and hear. And we, we keep hearing this. People just go, I want more intimacy. And, and I'm going, well, what does that mean to you? And they're like, well, I want more sex. And I'm going, well, you can't have sex 24-7. And intimacy is closeness and connection. So you want closeness and connection your sexual intimacy. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. How do I do that? I'm like, mm. ah, okay. And so we just began to hear this and just learning from people and ourselves, we found and we, we drilled it down to like, these are the six areas. These are the six pillars that really matter for a marriage to have that strong foundation so that they can strengthen themselves and have the extraordinary marriage they desire.
0: Yeah. An extraordinary marriage. You know, yeah. when you hear that, it sounds a bit intimidating, it yes. sounds a bit idealistic. Oh yes, this extraordinary marriage. Look at Tony and Elisa; they're perfect. And and all you need to know is when you read the book, and when you listen to the One Extraordinary Marriage podcast. Tony and Elisa are not claiming to be perfect. They are far from it. I love your honesty and your transparency the two of you have. Uh, We were talking about your podcast on our last call and you mentioned he's like, yeah, people say it's like sitting at your dining room table hearing you speak. And it really is. Right. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're like, well, yeah, sure. It worked for Tony and Elisa, but it takes work. You know, intimacy mm-hmm. takes work An extraordinary marriage takes work. So if someone's yeah. listening to this right now, like, yeah, like we could use a, a jump start or a refresh or, you know, maybe that you said come to Jesus moment where it's a shift. Like, where do they start? Hey, guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused focused, and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be, dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives And then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind. And you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show.
1: I would say pick up the book and yeah. you can get that at sixpillarsofintimacy.com. It's on Amazon, pick it up in whatever format. Start there because that's the foundation. Once you understand what the six pillars of intimacy are and which ones have cracks and which ones are strong, then you have the framework for your marriage. And that was for me, Cam, was the big thing because it was always so tough when I would talk to a husband who would come up to me and they would be just in a place of fret and frustration. And like, they're all over the place. They're like, well, this is going on. This is going on this is, and this and this and this. And, and I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's slow down here. Cause I get it. There's a lot of things that can happen in life. I, I do not proclaim nor does Elise and I proclaim to be perfect. We're not right. We, we, we stub our toes. We skin our knees. We can still get mad at each other. We still have emotions. We have kids coming in and out doing things that, like Elisa's okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I'm okay with that. She's not okay with that causes tension between us. And yet when I can look at my pillars and I can go, why did I just go there? What just happened? Why, why did I just blow up at Elisa? What? Because she just spent $500 on a pair of shoes. Well, that there, there's a crack in my financial intimacy pillar. What is it? Is it that we don't have any money or is that, I have some root issue that I need to address that I haven't addressed yet, but I can, I can call it out and I can say, oh, that's my financial intimacy pillar. There's a crack in it. Where do I need to strengthen it? Where do we as a couple need to strengthen it? Because the six pillars of intimacy is about being in the framework is about being on the same team. Hmm. We want couples to be on the same team. This isn't a book that's going to pitch you against your spouse. That's not what it's about. It's about you and your spouse getting on the same team together, looking at those and how do we strengthen each and every one of them?
0: Yeah. And I want to bring to the attention of the people listening to this, men or women, that, you know, what I appreciated about the book when I read it, and it's outlined in it as well, is the word pillars is very intentionally chosen. Yes. Right. And it's not the six steps to an extraordinary marriage, which probably could have been under some copywriter somewhere who would have said you should sell it this way. Right. You chose pillars, you know, and Elisa Mm -hmm. chose pillars. Mm -hmm. Would you touch on that? I could yeah. I could say why, but why don't you touch on why? <laughs> well, two
1: two main reasons that they're structured to pillars, right? Mm-hmm. They hold up buildings. They you see them on the Pantheon or the Colosseum. You see them in buildings here in, in the United States in the in the South, or you'll see them on, you know, the at the Capitol. They, 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 they represent like the foundation. They, they just represent so much of like strength. And you look at it and if you look at the Colosseum, think of the Roman Colosseum. How many thousands of years is it there? And those pillars are still standing. Right. The other thing is that they're beauty. Yeah. They they, they add beauty to the structure. They don't, they're just not a post. Like I'm looking at my gazebo out here and I got some four by four beams and they're, they're holding up the top of my gazebo, but they're not really beautiful. They're four by four posts, but a pillar is beauty and we really see that in marriage there's beauty to it there's yeah. there's this this glory this glorification in it which represents that beauty of the pillar
0: yeah yeah and i love it because pillars come with that stability and that yeah. strength it's just yeah i i really appreciate reading the explanation in the book yeah. um but it is a framework and i love that yeah. it's not the steps it's not the here's the how-to, it's the here's a framework, now work through it and work through it together. Yep. You know, in that process of working through the six pillars, and we will go through all the six pillars, but if you're listening, grab the book. It's a good read, it's a quick read, uh, but it's very valuable. But in the book, you emphasize, and Elisa emphasizes, because we've already spoken how Elisa wrote it with Tony, but, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there, but there's an emphasis on intentionality. Yeah. What does intentionality look like and why is it so important in an extraordinary marriage?
1: Yeah. So there's two things that Elisa and I have said for many, many years. If you want to have the extraordinary marriage, you need to be intentional and you need to take action. We have to be intentional and we have to put down where we're going and where we're moving towards. And so when we're intentional, say if we're doing an episode around, let's just say we're doing an episode around sexual intimacy, right? And we're going to just talk about foreplay per se. How are we going to be intentional this week around that? One, we may have to start with our emotional intimacy pillar, right? We're going to have to talk about it. What does foreplay look like for you, for me? What do I like? What do you like? All right, honey, we we got to get there in, in understanding that. And then moving down the steps of going, okay, well, physical intimacy, what touches do you enjoy? Physical intimacy, by the way, everybody, that's non-sexual touches. We make sure that that is broken up between physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, holding hands, kissing, cuddling, you know, touching toes, whatever that is, that's your physical intimacy. Can it lead to sexual intimacy? Absolutely. But we want you to know that just holding hands and walking down the street, you're strengthening your marriage. That, that's huge. You're, you're, you're saying, hey, we're one. We're going to, we're going to hold hands. We're going to hug. We're going to kiss in your own way. Um, And and so I just think about those things and I go, okay, to be intentional means we're going to have to step in these areas and we can't shy away from them. And we're going to have to take action because if I tell Lisa what I enjoy in foreplay and she tells me, then the next step is, Hey, we're going to actually have to put that into practice because we got to learn
0: and we have to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love That communication you just said. When I let Elisa Elisa know that this is what I expect, and she lets me know what she's expecting. At the time of recording this, your most recent episode on your podcast, you talked about one of the pitfalls that people will fall into, and that's unvoiced expectations. Yeah. And just as you were speaking about, you know, that boundary between what physical intimacy and sexual intimacy is. And can it lead to sexual intimacy? Sure. But you have to be clear on those expectations. You know, there's other pitfalls that, you know, men can, men and women can fall into when they're building an extraordinary marriage? What would those be?
1: I think one those unvoiced expectations is, is a huge one. Just what expectations do we have? Have we actually shared that with our spouse? Do they know what the, what the bar is? Do we know what the bar, where we're, where we're even headed? Um, If I look at it when it comes to like our emotional intimacy pitfalls there, that's your closest That's where you get close and connected via your verbal nonverbal communication. I think a lot of pitfalls there. We don't realize how much our nonverbal communication speaks to our spouse.
0: Hmm.
1: It it really just speaks volumes at times. You know what I mean? When even that heavy sigh, like, really? Like you don't even have to say the really part. You just like,
0: yeah. And your spouse is
1: like, what? Oh, nothing.
0: What was that? You're like, no. What
1: was that about? I know it because I do it. We we have to address it even in our own lives. Um, So that's that's a big pitfall, I think, there. Physical intimacy. I think it's just not understanding what really works for couples. I think in our social media hyped up world of everything, visual, um, people look at others and try to pull that into their marriage of what we need to do. Well, they always hug and they always kiss. So that's what we need to do. But in my marriage, at least it's not a kisser. Alisa's not a very touchy-feely person, and so if I were to just look at others and my friends and my 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 buddies, and I'm like, well, why? Like, man, she's like jumping on him, like she's all over him. They're dancing. If I were to look at that, I would never meet an ex- in my mind have the extraordinary marriage I desire. Mm-hmm. So Alisa and I had to work through that and go. Well, what does work? And for us, it's sleeping naked and cuddling naked it's not something that you would over, you're not going to see us post that yeah but that is where we came to that pitfalls in you know like um your financial intimacy credit cards are you on the same do you have a cash flow plan a budget you know what's going on in in that area spiritual intimacy you know one wants to go to services another one doesn't one wants to listen to worship music one doesn't so the, the pitfalls are we're not on the same page and we're not talking about it. Recreational intimacy, that's our thats our our dates, activities we do together. And that's just not even getting it on the calendar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? I mean, spend time, put some time on your calendar and go once a month, twice a month. We, we're we going to carve out 30 minutes, an hour, two hours.
0: We're doing that. It goes back to being intentional.
1: Right. A lot of us aren't. They're just, we're just like, well, if it happens, it happens. Sexual intimacy, I think the big pitfall there is we believe it's always going to happen. Mm. And, but we never talk about it. And so it goes into a place where it doesn't, and then we're not willing to put the light back onto it. And so we get very frustrated and we'll live, we'll live in sexless marriages for a long time, saying nothing and being lonely. When, if we begin to just step out and say, Hey, we need to address this. And I know what I covered for many of you may be tough to bring up. And what I would say is get yourself a marriage coach and get somebody around you to walk through some of this so you can address it. I get it. Alisa and I have gone to coaching, counseling ourselves because some of this stuff can get heavy and it can take a lot to do one-on-one. But having a professional there beside you walk alongside you, Alisa does this with our clients uh, day in and day out, helps them to have those breakthroughs so that they can have the tools they need in their marriage toolbox.
0: Yeah you know, you mentioned the the counseling and the coaching, and you've done lots of public speaking, and I'm sure men will come up to you after, you know, when men come up to you, or they reach out to you, what are they asking you? Like, what are the things that you're commonly presented with? Gosh, I wish there was
1: a common, there's so many different things that come up. I mean, I just remember Tuesday, just even this past Tuesday morning, um, I was at that men's prayer at my home church here at Awakened Church here in San Diego. And guy was in my prayer group and just we were talking and he's like I'm separated. I'm like, "Wow. All right, man." I go, "What's what's going on?" you know, and just talking to him and you know, to me it's it, it goes from there to hey, like newlywed guys going like, "Dude, my wife's on her period like and she's like cleaning herself in the shower and like that's freaking them out." Like that's sort of the stuff that people come up to us and tell us. I have other guys wow. going like, "Hey, you know what? My my wife is having Like pain when we're having sex. What what should I do there? Um you know what I mean? So I get so many different questions coming from so many different places. There isn't anything common to it because we're all in different places. Um, and what we try to do is listen to the one family though, and hear for commonalities during certain times and Alisa with her clients. So that way when we do hear threes we know it's time for an episode around that. That's been our guide over the last 12 and a half years of doing the one extraordinary marriage show is threes means it's time to let's hit it. Let's do an episode on that.
0: Yeah. Cool. And if you're listening, you're like, what's the one family, the one family, uh, Tony and Lisa have an amazing community that, you know, follows their podcast. Like I said, the number one marriage podcast on Apple iTunes and thousands 10,000s thousands of people listen to that. And then you have also your Facebook community and you yes. have the other communities where people are engaged and they're posting yep. pictures and and it's a really involved community, you know. Yeah. And so when you say the one family that's to who That's who we're with, talking, right? About. Yeah. yeah.
1: You come yes. listen, you you'll get, you're, you're a part of it even if you if you're listening to the podcast, you're part of the one family. Doesn't matter if it's podcast, Instagram, email, uh, Facebook, where, wherever that may be we, we really believe that. Yeah. Um, and there have been many of folks, couples who have come into our lives over the years who are part of the one family, but they're dear friends and and we really cherish who they are. And um, some of them have been around since the beginning. And uh, so it, it, for us, it, it really is because if we impact that one couple, what could happen? What's the, what's the effect? My kids have seen it. Um, and even my kids at, at their age, they're like, yeah like stop kissing each other. stop doing that, like don't talk about that stuff when when we're at school or like at a game, like it's weird yeah. um, and we just keep doing it because we know that um we're pouring into them and they're seeing it, and, and we're believing that when they begin to date, get married they're gonna they're gonna be in a better spot than Elise and I ever were, and they have a they have parents and others around them who will be willing to speak into their life, and they can come speak to us if there's something going on, yeah. you know. That's that's a big thing for us is getting people to share what's happening, letting others know what's going on instead of keeping it in the dark and in and away from everybody.
0: Yeah, awesome. I want to shift gears for a moment. You know, know, Dad's Making a Difference podcast. And one of the things we've recognized in our conversations and from the men who've reached out about in order to make a difference in our lives, whether it's in our family or business community, there needs to be a little bit of sacrifice or something that we turn over or give up, or maybe it's something that we take on or overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always, I'm always curious with uh, the guys I interview and I'm speaking with, you know, in your experience, what have you either removed from your life that's made you a uh, more impactful father or what is the hardest thing that you've had to overcome as a dad?
1: Wow. I'm just trying to think what's the thing I've removed from my life. Um, you know, there there was a point when I, when I was doing long distance cycling, I've been road cycling since I was 14 years old. Um, and kids were younger. I would do double centuries. So 200 miles in a day were my big events. Wow. Um, so my training schedule was pretty crazy. And as much as I loved it, as my son began to get older, he started football, uh, fifth grade. And I remember putting aside my bike and my passion for what I loved um, to really get to experience that with him. And uh, I'm going to get teared up. Yeah. So I got to see that kid play from fifth grade to senior year of high school. And we got Jack because we had COVID for his senior year. So we lost, a whole, we lost pretty much a season. We only got five games. And he was, he was on par to be a D1 recruit and um had blown out his ACL the year before and um you know what i've gone back on my bike and i and i ride avidly again and even as they were growing i got back on i never got back to that level it's always been i don't know i do maybe a 50 mile or once a year twice a year now but i will never look back at that time and go i gave up something because the joy that we got to, to, to have. I mean, I love, I love what we got to experience and, and he and I, I mean, he'll come home, even though he's 19 now and has gone off to college and I'm glad he's out of my house. You know, if he comes home during the fall time, you better believe it on a Saturday, dad and Alex are sitting on our, on our couch and we're watching some college football because we love it. And we'll talk about it and he'll come back last year or high school even though he had graduated uh, the year prior, um, we had an amazing team. Last year's team, his team should have won state championship. Uh, last year's team won a state championship. We were there for the entire thing. Uh, he came back for a number of games, was on the field. Uh, we got to celebrate. He was at the state championship game with his buddies. Um, and we were all there just cheering and just going, you know what, we may have missed it that year uh because of what happened to our world. Um, but dang it, I will never. I'll never look back and go. I lost out on something. I oh, I, yeah. I gained so much more. And and even as of this recording coming up, we're, we're a few days away from the opening game at at Cathedral Catholic, and and Elise <laughs> and I got our tickets. And you better believe we're there. We got some boys that we believe in who are who are seniors. We got a, a couple of boys who are juniors, and we're we're going to be there. And if I get a, a ride in on Sunday, I get it. If I don't, no big yeah. deal.
0: Very cool. Thanks, Thanks for yeah. sharing that story. Yeah, yeah. No, it brings me to my next question. You know, as you grow as a father, what is something that you've committed to or that you're excited about right now?
1: Right now, I'm 49 years old and and I took the step about a month ago to really hone in on my wellness. Hmm. Um, I'm physically fit. I feel like if you were to see me, you wouldn't be like, oh, wow, well, Tony looks overweight or anything of that nature. But I have been dealing with some um, just fatigue. Some frustrating weight loss and weight gain, and just this fluctuation and uh, energy going high, low. Um, And so, I've really, right now, as I look at my six pillars of intimacy, I feel like for me to really strengthen them, I really need to address some of what's going on with me physically. Because ultimately, by doing that, I'm going to be able to look at all of my pillars with the Lisa and be able to address some of them that have cracks. And why they have cracks is because I'm just not in a good spot um, and, and just working through that right now. So that's where I am um, in, in that personal level from a business level with One Extraordinary Marriage. We're believing like we're, we're growing in many ways. So that way we can sell as many books and get in as many couples as we believe we can because um, there needs to be a shift. And we believe that this book will be the next book in the marriage world that's going to shift the generation. And so
0: I put my heart and soul in each and every day to do that. Yeah. Amazing. And when we're looking at the book, you know, you posted on your social media the other day, how, you know, the six pillars of intimacy is in second all time right now behind in sale, right behind a book that's been around for 30 years.
1: Yeah. Uh, At that point in time. Yeah. Up on Amazon, we are the number two book in, uh, in the Christian marriage against an amazing book that everybody knows. We, yeah. we, we love Dr. Chapman yeah. Uh, yeah. and what he has done, but it is time for, it's something, it's time for the next generation. It's time for something new and for people to be able in couples specifically to come around this and go, that's our framework. That's what we're doing. And that's, what's going to transform our marriage. So we can have the breakthrough and the extraordinary marriage we desire.
0: Amazing. We'll make sure that everyone uh, check out the the show notes. We're going to post exactly where you can pick up this book. Um, If someone wants to get in contact with you, Tony, or in contact with Elisa, or the both of you, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you?
1: Yeah, best place, com. That will have everything there. For those of you who are massive podcast listeners on your favorite podcast app, we can say that now because 12 and a half years ago when we started, we didn't have that Yeah. on your favorite podcast app, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) literally uh, just, just dive in one extraordinary marriage show. It will show up. You will not miss it. There's over 700 episodes. Uh, Start scrolling through, start listening, jump in. um, And we're excited to have you along and part of the one family and part of, and be a part of your
0: journey. Amazing. Well, Tony, thank you so much, brother appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time out of your day with your family to be here with us. And you know, I'm wishing you and Elisa all the best on the book as it's moving forward with your launch and it, it's, the word spreads. And of course, with thank your you. podcast and with your, with your beautiful family. Thanks,
1: Cam. I really appreciate it. And to all of you who have been listening, thank you for uh, giving me some time to, to speak into you. And I'm excited for what's ahead. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.